This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Sunday, February 19th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Taylor Swift fans got a rude awakening when trying to buy tickets to her shows. That anger has turned into congressional and regulatory focus now on Ticketmaster. Jennifer Huddleston is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We discussed the problems with trying to reassure fans that they'll get their tickets without considering the realities of supply and demand. I go to a lot of live music events. And when those events are in high demand, uh, I am inevitably frustrated anytime I have to deal with Ticketmaster in terms of buying tickets. And that just seems like a, a fact of life. There was a show that I was going to attend uh, that I just learned about and came come to find out almost all of the tickets were gone before it became possible for me to even log in to look at what was available. Most of those tickets were long gone. Uh, And I think a lot of Taylor Swift fans recently learned this hard lesson about uh, Ticketmaster and supply and demand. Right. So there are a couple of things there. There's the natural supply and demand of tickets for a very popular artist, whether it's the show you were trying to go to or the Taylor Swift show that so many people experienced what was, quite frankly, a, a meltdown of the, the Ticketmaster website. So artists, you know, can only perform so many acts. There are only so many tickets available in a particular venue. And so there is that kind of natural supply and demand. The question that's come up before Congress and that we've now seen the Department of Justice investigating is, is this just a natural case of there's too much demand and too little supply? Or is Ticketmaster actually engaged in some kind of anti-competitive behaviors that are perhaps harming consumers um, or even harming other aspects of the ticket market? So I wonder about that um, because you know, a few years ago, we had heard about Clear Channel, which is now a company called iHeartRadio, which in addition to owning radio stations, in addition to uh, owning uh, billboard advertising uh, businesses, also owned concert venues and uh, made it pretty difficult not to deal with them if you wanted a ticket to see an act that was uh, popular. A few years ago, Live Nation and Ticketmaster merged during the Obama administration. And at the time, there were some people who questioned this merger, but it was able to go forward with certain restrictions that were designed to try and keep it more competitive, to make sure that the potential to harm consumers that some people were were concerned about uh, did not occur. Now, we've already seen that as a result of some of the stipulations that were put on this merger in the past, that Ticketmaster and Live Nation violated those. And that as a result, the DOJ intervened and kind of extended the the agreement and these limitations on what the company was allowed to do to try and continue to ensure that consumers weren't being harmed and had all the benefits of competition, of having the different choices of where to perhaps buy tickets from. However, I think it's also important to take a step back and separate a couple of things. Oftentimes, when we're talking about antitrust or claims of monopolies, it just means whatever big company I'm mad at. So when somebody doesn't get a concert ticket, they're mad. They want to say Ticketmaster is a monopoly. But the actual analysis is far more 
complicated than that. And we have to be very careful these days, particularly with what some of the more dramatic changes policymakers are calling for on the Hill, to take that step back and recognize big companies can be big because they are successful, because they're you know, fulfilling consumer demand. There can be great efficiencies from from having these kind of different options together and really take the look at that questions, the questions at the heart of antitrust law of are consumers being harmed? Are we seeing per se violations of antitrust law? Not to go into too much detail, I don't want to out myself here too much, but, you know, the Grateful Dead pioneered a new way to provide tickets directly to their customers in such a way that they could be reasonably assured that om- that the vast majority of people at their shows were their kind of people. Uh, and they did it by mail. They did it uh, by uh, making a creating a laborious process in which you had to send postal money orders. I remember this. Uh, in order to secure your tickets. Uh, bands like Fish that are in sort of that same tradition of music also do a direct sale of tickets to uh, their fans. And I, I wonder how, I don't know, how credible are a lot of claims of antitrust uh, when bands, especially extremely popular bands, can exert that kind of control over the process of making sure that their fans are able to get tickets to their shows. I think it's a bit unclear in this particular situation, but there are some concerns that there are some behavior that we might see indicate that there is consumer harm going on or that there are at least a reason to believe that this previous agreed upon um, stipulations of the merger are being violated. So at the end of the day, while Taylor Swift is what got all of this in the news, that's not really the the ongoing question. So there are questions, for example, about Ticketmaster's relationship with ticket resellers and how that may be impacting uh, the market for tickets more generally, especially through the use of Ticketmaster's own program. There are some questions about kind of the the ongoing fees. We've heard that brought up a lot. I think that's probably more of our our kind of traditional supply and demand story there but but that's kind of one of the other questions i'm guessing we would see discussed of of is there competition where or where these fees or is there a lack of competition where fees are are somehow going unchecked and consumers are being harmed by that but i do think you bring up a great point Caleb of one of the great things is we've seen innovation occur in a lot of different ways if this is a competitive market i think the uh swifties are, are certainly mad enough that we could could see uh an, another option uh evolve and and that's the type of thing we should look for that that creative destruction and that that new entry to spur competition whether it's for single artists like you mentioned or or for all of us in general and, and i can imagine I mean, Taylor Swift probably has her choice of venues. She's not uh, she's not somebody who has to go begging for a booking at a venue. Every venue, every large venue in America would be would love to have Taylor Swift play a show. And of course, that's some of the conversation too. Certain venues, because of the Ticketmaster and Live Nation Nation merger, are are tied together. And so the debate is, you know, does an artist like Taylor Swift? who needs these large stadiums really have that same choice versus someone who may be able to to play a, a more intimate venue or whose fans may, may be expecting and used to that. 
what are federal officials proposing? You know, it's hard to pin down exactly what antitrust is in a lot of ways, except that, you know, unless a bunch of members of Congress or regulators are particularly upset about it. Uh, but what are they proposing? Would it do any good in terms of getting a more rational distribution of tickets to live events? What we've seen proposed are some pretty dramatic changes to American antitrust law, things that would really step away from the focus on consumers and from the objective standards that while, of course, we see some companies uh, more under the spotlight than others, theoretically, at least once we get to the courts, provide something that can be less politicized. The reality is the current proposals in Congress aren't going to do anything about those who are mad that they didn't get Taylor Swift tickets or Beyonce tickets or whatever tickets that they may have had their own fight with Ticketmaster with. Those proposals are targeting very specific tech companies, but they're also constructed in such a way that it would really open the door to a lot more uh, potential antitrust intervention into the economy at as a whole, because they really do open that door again to the idea that big is bad and that we could see who, whatever industry is the, the industry that's not liked, subject to pretty strict government intervention that actually, again, then harms consumers because it's focused more on these arbitrary factors than on what's actually going on with the consumers and could take away some of their favorite products as well. Now, you mentioned uh, objective standards. Consumer welfare doesn't strike me as an objective standard. It certainly is more of an objective standard than the previous options and than what we've seen before and proposed in the kind of antitrust uh, place. It, by using the consumer welfare standard, we're really examining the economics of a merger and we're really focusing on whether or not consumers are getting the benefits of a free market. They're getting the benefits of competition as opposed to just allowing this tool that could allow really powerful government intervention into the market uh, to be politicized by whoever's in power to go after whatever industry they're mad at. Jennifer Huddleston is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.